0: Hello Vetfolio voice listeners, so glad you're back and thanks for tuning in to this episode sponsored in part by Hills where we talk to Dr. Laura Quilling about her journey to becoming a veterinary dermatologist. Dr. Quilling is such a natural speaker. It was great going through this process with her from the brainstorming to the recording. You guys will love her. So let me tell you a little bit about her and then we'll jump into our episode. Dr. Quilling grew up in Dallas, Texas, but she completed her undergraduate studies and DVM at the University of Georgia. She then moved to New Orleans, Louisiana, where she completed a rotating internship, and finally made her way back to Texas for a dermatology internship at Gulf Coast Veterinary Specialists in Houston. Following her dermatology internship, she relocated to California and is now a second-year dermatology resident at UC Davis. When she's not working, she enjoys exploring Northern California and spending time in the sun, hopefully with plenty of sunscreen. So without further ado, let's jump into my interview
1: with Dr. Quilling.
0: All right, we're talking today to Dr. Laura Quilling. Thank you so much, Dr. Quilling, for being with us.
1: Oh, of course. I'm really excited. I love listening to podcasts, so um, it's really cool to actually be a part of one. (laughs) Oh,
0: wonderful. We're happy to have you. you. I'm hoping we can start out by telling just a little bit of your personal story about what led you to where you are now. If I'm remembering correctly, you're originally from Dallas, but you've studied at a few different places on your journey to where you are now.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and then when I graduated from high school, I moved to Athens, Georgia, where I went to the University of Georgia for undergrad and for vet school, When I finished there, I went and did a rotating internship in New Orleans. um, at a private practice. Then I went to Houston where I did a DERM internship at a private practice. And now I'm at UC Davis. I guess I'm two months into my second year of my DERM residency. So it's as much as time has crawled past for the past, you know, seven months. It's also weirdly flown by. So <laughs>
0: sure. yes, I can relate to that. Absolutely. And congratulations on starting your second year.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's, you know, so much different than first year. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> not, it's not different at all. No, of. yes. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah. Not for the reasons you expected for sure. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little bit bizarre being virtual, at least partially virtual. So not ideal for anybody, but, um, we're all making do and the students are great and they really are, are trying to dig into virtual learning and. Absolutely.
0: These challenges that we're, we're all facing. And I want to come back to you working virtually later on, but first off, can you talk to us about, did you always want to be a dermatologist or like backing up even further? Did you always know you wanted to be a veterinarian?
1: Yeah. So I um, am one of those typical girls that decided at age five, I wanted to be a veterinarian. We actually have like a little book that I guess it was in kindergarten. They asked you, you know, your favorite color, your favorite food, what you want to be when you grow up. And most people's are, I'm going to be an astronaut or, you know, whatever. And I said, I wanted to be a doctor for my puppy there's a lot of lies in there. I said that I had two dogs and cats and all of their names were Rufus. (laughs) We had a single dog. Her name was Daisy, but I guess I didn't lie about wanting to be a veterinarian. Well, Um, my
0: daughter just had to do a questionnaire about what she wanted uh to be when she grew up and uh, she answered Darth Vader.
1: So, (laughs) so, you know, I mean, some of us have, a lot of us have unrealistic goals. And I think, you know, somehow I made, I made mine work, but I, you know, I kind of have always wanted to do that. I was always the kid in school that took the class pet home on the weekends or was in charge of feeding the pet. So I don't think it was much of a surprise for most people when this is the route that I went. There were absolutely times where I was like, there's no way I can do this. I'm not going to get into that school or I can't finish that school, you know, lots of times of self-doubt. At one point I thought about being a human physician. And for whatever reason, dermatology was what struck me as being a human physician. My little sister then very quickly reminded me that if I was a physician, I would probably have to touch people's feet. And that that's is not assumption.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh
1: huh. I hate I hate I absolutely hate feet. Paws are so different. They're cute. They're not. Yes, cute. they're fuzzy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, they're supposed to be fuzzy. You're a dermatologist, right. so I guess. They're not
1: always fuzzy. <laughs> they're not always fuzzy now, but yeah, they're they're a lot cuter. And I, so it, it was just so funny that my sister pointed that out, and then I started going through vet school my second second summer of vet school, I was working in a general practice and really, really enjoyed the derm cases that we were seeing, but still did not put together that, that was what I wanted to do. And then during my fourth year, I did my dermatology rotation. And just after having been with such amazing faculty members who loved what they did, and were really excited about dermatology and about skin and about the, the quality of life and the care that you can provide for our patients by addressing their dermatologic disease really inspired me to say, okay, I re- this is the type of medicine that I really, really like. I also had one of our rotating interns at the time. We became very close friends and she actually just finished her dermatology residency. So I think honestly, without you know two amazing faculty members who loved derm, an amazing house officer who loved derm, I don't know if I would have realized how much I loved it. So it was really nice to have people who cared so much about what they were doing.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. What kind of influence some just good mentors can have on your life and your career and everything going forward?
1: Yeah, they were, I mean, honestly, they're, they're probably the reasons. Oh, they they are the reasons. I remember during my rotating internship, I called, she was still faculty at Georgia at that time. Her name is Fiona Bateman. And she it has been a huge influence in my life. And I just remember calling her sobbing during my Aww. rotating, saying like, "I can't finish this rotating. I'm not going to be a dermatologist." And she's like, "I'm going through airport security. I will call you back in five minutes." And so, and then she sat on the phone with me for like an hour and reassured me that I could finish my internship and that I could keep pushing through and and get to a point where I was going to be a dermatologist. And I've been super lucky that I've had, you know, not only her, but then my mentors in my derm internship and now my mentors here at UC Davis, they all have, have made huge influences in my life of, of why I want to be a dermatologist and why I get to pursue this and the way that I get to be involved in clients' and patients' lives and how I get to provide them with the opportunity to care for their pets well.
0: Oh, that's, I mean, and then here you are, second year.
1: Pushing right on
0: through that that residency. That's
1: awesome. Push it one day at a time. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
0: For for all of us, I can definitely relate to that. Uh Can you tell us a little bit about your typical day? What's a day in the life of a dermatologist right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it probably looks different for a lot of people, as the new quote norm looks different for a lot of people. So right now, what we're doing, I'm off clinics at the moment. We have time where we're on clinics, where we're seeing patients, and time where we are off clinics and we are teaching, doing research, reading, those types of things, fulfilling a lot of the requirements for our residency. And so when I'm on clinics, a normal day looks like getting there around eight, preparing for the day as far as what cases I'm going to be seeing, making sure that I have records, answering client emails. Those sorts of things. Most of the time, I see one patient in the morning by myself without a student just because we have them doing their virtual rounds in the morning. And so I use that time to kind of catch up and add patients in if I need to see them more urgently. And then in the afternoon, they come in and see a couple of appointments with me. And then we do consultations within the hospital as they kind of come up. We've been seeing a big increase in horses lately. So that's fun. We've been getting to do more equine appointments, but yeah, a lot of it is seeing anywhere between three and five appointments a day, which is is pretty normal for academia. Definitely decreased for our general practice friends and private practice dermatology. They will see a much larger number of patients per day, but with, with academia, that's pretty normal. Um, so we're back to almost Full capacity as far as seeing patients go. We're still doing curbside, so we have technicians who bring them into the building, the pets into the building, and then we talk to the owners on the phone. But it's going about as well as I think it probably could be. And then when I'm off clinics, I'm usually reading, I read probably anywhere between like five and 10 articles a week, as well as a book chapter. I'm in the middle of trying to publish a case report. And then, you know, working on like my research for publication for my residency requirements.
0: Yes, with the curbside for us as well. And you're right, very busy in general practice and still doing the curbside. So, yeah, I'm with you about about as well as it could be going, all things considered. We're hanging in there. Let's circle back around to your mentors real quick, because I feel like that's something that's really important to you to talk about. So can you elaborate a little bit more on the role that your mentors have played in your career to this point?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I I mentioned Fiona Bateman, amazing, amazing human. She's just a wonderful dermatologist, wonderful person. And then moving on, having my derm internship with three amazing mentors at Gulf Coast Veterinary Specialists in Houston, they, I think that was, especially those four people, including Fiona, were for people who really invested in me as a human and not just as a doctor. There were lots of times spent just talking about you know, what my goals as a human were, what, what I was doing on the weekends, you know, spending time with my family, how visiting my family was. Um, and so they were really, really investing in, in who I am. And I think a huge part of that is recognizing that well-rounded people, people who are investing in their wellness and investing in things outside of work often are better doctors. I know the times where I've felt the most overwhelmed, the times where I've felt even if I was well-supported, but maybe didn't feel as well-supported or, or was struggling the most have been times where I haven't had any sort of balance. And so just having those mentors who really wanted balance for themselves, but also wanted balance for me. And then coming to to UC Davis where, again, I have three amazing mentors who I honestly get to call friends as well. One of my faculty called me the other day on a Saturday morning just to see how I was, not to ask how work was, not any of that, just to see how me as a human was and how I, yeah, she's amazing. I mean, they all three are amazing. We're really, really lucky, but they're, they're wonderful people, but you know, asking, okay, you know, mental health wise, how are you handling the pandemic and the way things are changing, and not being able to see your family, and and all of those types of things. And so them recognizing it, you know, and me recognizing, yes, these are my mentors, but they're also humans who struggle too. And so having them invest in me, and me try and invest in them as well, I think it makes all of us better. I know it makes me a better doctor, and I think it makes our dermatology service a better service. We're providing more to our clients, more to our patients, um, and more to our colleagues within the hospital where we're, we're able to say, okay, you know, I can tell that the people working with me care about me, care about what we're doing. And by kind of spreading that load, and checking in with each other, we're all able to do a better job.
0: I've been using the terminology work life integration lately because it's very rarely a balance. I feel right. like usually something is taking priority over something else. But yeah, that integration to be a whole person.
1: Right. And I think, you know, I, I say balance, but I think really probably what I mean is integration of that. I, I don't ever really check myself out from work totally. But how do I make my work something that is, you know, investing in me as a human and then I'm investing kind of my humanness into my work as well. So I like that integration better than balance.
0: (laughs) I like the way you put that too, that, you know, if you invest in yourself as a human, then you can give that back in a work setting. So yeah, we think we're speaking the same language. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's one thing you feel like you've taken away from all of these wonderful people in your life that you think all veterinarians and veterinary professionals
1: should know and remember? Oh gosh. Yeah. That is a really good question. (laughs) I think, you know, one thing that, that has really been on my mind a lot more lately is like, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to have hard days and to admit that it's a hard day and that maybe you're not doing great today. I know having talked to a lot of my best friends from vet school are in general practice and i was talking with my best friend yesterday on the phone and she just said i am so worn out i need help and a couple months ago she went to her her boss and said hey like i really really need the i need extra support and they ended up hiring another veterinarian and she was saying yesterday how big of a blessing and how much help that had been and how much lighter her load was even just by expressing that hey, this is hard. And I've talked to so many classmates in the past couple of weeks that I think everybody is feeling a little bit of the compassion fatigue right now with the way that we're doing curbsiding. You know, we say, okay, things are going as well as they could be right now. But everybody is still worn out. And everybody is still having clients that wear them out and still having cases that stump them. And I think it's really okay to take a step back and say, okay, these are the ways that I'm struggling. This is where I need support. This is where I need help. And then reaching out to people who can help you or even just listen, right? Because so much of that even just comes down to listening and saying, this is the way that that I'm struggling. I just need somebody to hear that this is hard. You know, going back to my mentors, that's a, been a huge part of of what my mentors have done that's gotten me to the place that I am. Hopefully we can all do that for each other <laughs> because we all get it to some degree. All of our paths look a bit different. And all of us are probably doing things a little bit differently, whether that be, you know, that you're in a specialty versus you're in general practice versus private practice or academia. But we can all relate in some realm of of that this is hard and that we need support.
0: Absolutely. And empathizing. I mean, that's so much of what we do in our jobs. So, you know, maybe we are not in the same situation with our pet or anything like that, but we're empathizing um, with owners and and, you know, with these animals that are in different situations just empathizing with each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think so often we, I mean, most of us are probably empaths. We all, and that's how we became veterinarians, right. right? Is that you want to care for things that can't speak for themselves and you want to be advocates for them. And then we forget to be advocates for ourselves and advocates for each other. And so I think figuring out how do we be advocates for ourselves and for our colleagues so that we can be better advocates for our patients?
0: I'm so glad we talked about all of that. I feel like, you know, I think it's things that we've all heard and we all know, but, you know, saying it out loud and repeating it over and over because it's
1: so important. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's really hard to put into practice too. You know, I'm still figuring out (laughs) what that looks like for sure, especially with, you know, a lot of my kind of wellness things that I'd normally would do, like running I've not been able to run because we've had hazardous air from fires up here, you know? So, so I think it's figuring out how to adapt to the situation and then, you know, grow with that and be, support other people and reach out for the support that you need as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we kind of move towards the end here, let's switch to some fun questions.
1: What is your favorite type of case to treat? I really love terrible ears. Oh goodness. Like, I'm kind of crazy in that way. I like really bad ear cases are ones that make me excited. <laughs> well, I know who I'm going to be calling next time. Oh yeah, that's fine. I'll, I, talk, I literally will talk about ears all the time. <laughs> I especially like, you know, because you start off, yeah, the ears are the problem. And then you actually say, okay, well, what's the real problem, right? Because there's going to be an underlying cause. And so then figuring out what that underlying cause is, Can be a little bit of a puzzle of trying to say, okay, well, you know, I have XYZ options as far as management, and how do I put those pieces together to figure out the best way to manage this case? So I really like those. I really like immune mediated skin disease. I don't like difficult pemphigus cases, but (laughs) because they just can be so hard to manage. But um, I really like, you know, sterile nodular diseases. A lot of the things that they all get funneled to us. And so we see them with some frequency, but they honestly are, you know, uncommon diseases. Sure, sure.
0: Absolutely. I've talked to a couple of dermatologists recently, and I always Mm -hmm. have this question because I picture the dermatologists in my area getting referrals from me and, you know, like banging their head against a wall and going like, come on, Fleming. What is one thing about dermatology you wish that, all veterinarians who are referring to you would know when we're treating these cases and one thing you wish that we would all keep in mind?
1: Do cytology first. Okay, good advice. Always do cytology first. (laughs) The number of cases I get where they're like, so we started treating the pyoderma. Well, based on what? Well, it looks like it had a pyoderma. Well, did you do a cytology? No. Okay, so do you know that it had a pyoderma? No. Okay, so were we treating the wrong thing? (laughs) We (laughs) would Right. And, and so, yeah, I mean, do cytology, and that's something we try and really um, kind of nail into the students' brains of do cytology first, right? Because it's going to change the way you're treating something. If you're treating for pyoderma and it's pemphigus and you're seeing, you, if you did the cytology, you'd see acantholytic cells. Well, I'm not surprised it's not getting better because you have acantholytic cells that won't be treated by antibiotics. What if um, you really like to treat with steroids? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I do like to treat with steroids. I mean, there's actually, there's a lot of times, and I I almost thought about saying, try steroids, but then I was like, ooh, (laughs) no, there are some bad, there are some situations where I'm like, ooh, steroids wasn't a good option in that case. But there are a lot of cases then that end up coming that I'm like, I wonder why they didn't try steroids. But I mean, cytology, first, you know, starting off, do cytology first. I guess the other thing would be, and this is maybe even more of a, a personal soapbox, is doing cultures on external ear canals. Oh, okay. Just be, because you're looking at the serum concentration on a culture as opposed to the topical concentration and so if you're using it for topical therapy then you're getting less information from it. If you're going to treat systemically then sure like if you think there's middle ear disease or if you're having a you have a really weird strain of bacteria, you're seeing chains of cocci or something and maybe it's strep instead of staph. but I don't frequently do cultures of external ear canals. There is a place for it, absolutely. Sure, um, sure. But knowing that a culture is looking at your serum concentrations as opposed to your topical concentrations. That makes would sense. Be the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: good practical advice that yeah. I will keep in mind. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah,
1: going forward. Do you have any pets of your own? I do. I actually... She's locked in my bedroom right now so th- <laughs> because she would be trying to be all over the keyboard at the moment. Aww. But she is a five-year-old domestic short hair that I got, I guess it was my the summer after my second year. She came into the clinic that I was working at that summer and she had been hit by something, had some sort of, sort of traumatic brain injury. And so I was, quote, fostering her with really never the intention of trying to find her a home. Um, Foster fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's kind of a foster fail, but I, like, literally somebody asked me, and I said, no, she can't. She needs to be with me. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) So not not um, a foster fail. There was, it it sounded good to say she was a foster, but there was... Right, exactly.
1: But there was never really, she never really was going to go anywhere. But she's, I mean, she's your, your typical bratty cat. She doesn't like other cats. I I was, it ended up being a foster. I, I had a, a kitten that was going to get euthanized for a ringworm. And so I took it um, with the intention of having two cats, but she could not handle a housemate. And so um, adopted him out to a grad student here in Davis. And actually, I guess that was right about a year ago because she texted me a couple of days ago and said, I just wanted to update you on how Pickles is doing. And so that was heartwarming for sure Aww. <laughs> for him to be in a, in a good home. She's obsessed with him. He, you know, walks on a harness and a leash now. So oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, Dr. Quilling, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for podcasting with me. I've had a great time talking to you. Are there any final, sh- final thoughts you want to share with us?
1: No, I mean, I I agree. I like podcasting too. It's a fun, you know, (laughs) dip my toes into it thing. But no, thank you so much for having me. I'm just excited to be a part of it and to, you know, get the opportunity to share my experience with people. So
0: wonderful. Well, thank you again for being with us today. Yeah,
1: no problem. And
0: hopefully we'll talk soon. (laughs) That sounds good. That sounds good with all of my horrible ear cases. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Dr. Quilling, it was truly a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to Hills for sponsoring this event. If you'd like to find more episodes like this, click on the education tab on Vetfolio's website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. Bye, guys.